0: So I want to welcome our guest today. Uh, first of all, Mr. Michael D. Simone, a regular guest on our program. Good thank to you be for here. Being with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And also Dr. Scott Winnell, also a regular guest on our program and uh, glad to have you with us. It's uh, good seriously. to be back. Very good. Okay, up. Uh, so on, on Tuesday, just getting uh, our audience sort of up to date with where we are. We've had a lot of, of uh, different things in the news over the past couple of days in particular. Uh, headlining different, uh, uh, different national, particularly some of the domestic affairs regarding our president. But meanwhile, uh, still in the works is this potential uh, negotiation between North and South Korea. On Tuesday of last week, uh, early this week, North and South Korea removed loudspeakers that were blaring propaganda across the border. Now, according to a, a Reuters poll, uh, a poll of South Koreans last Friday, the day that North Korea, the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un met uh, South Korean President uh, Moon Jae In, it showed this poll showed that 64.7 percent of South Koreans believe that the North will denuclearize and will keep peace. Before the summit, days before, only 14.7% of those polled in South Korea actually believed that there would be peace and denuclearization. So in other words, it seems as if peace is in the air and even hope for peace is in the air. So it seems. So as we get our guests involved here, let me ask you the question, has President Trump brought peace to the Korean peninsula? Well, all
1: we've heard are words, right? We, we've, we've heard a few words. This all began last Friday with a meeting, so it hasn't even been a week yet. Um, I don't know that we can attribute peace to anything yet. There is no peace. There are words. Uh, president Trump, probably not at this point, even though the South Korean president does give him that kind of a credit.
2: Yes, sir. Right. I think the answer is, uh, like President Trump has said, we'll see. Time will tell. That's really the answer. I mean, we we have to wait to to see how it goes. Uh, Certainly, it's uh, developed a lot of hope in South Korea, but um, we'll
0: have to see. Both of you sound like you're on the skeptical side um, when asked about this question. So uh, surely reflect what is in the minds of most people, probably American citizens anyway. Uh, if you look at even some of the the quotes from the news you find things being said like well we'll watch and see we hope and this type of thing so why is there cynicism about peace in North Korea I mean uh, I should say in the Koreas why is that cynicism there?
2: I mean one thing at least in our time now of course this has not been the first time there's been peace talks there but uh, one thing is they, uh, just a few months ago, There's, they, you know, there was some major threats. I mean, the world was on the brink. It was scared that there could be nuclear war. So, I mean, this is a, quite a change. This is certainly one reason why um, there's skepticism. I mean, how, how this immediate change, at least it appears on the surface, you know, what's behind that and so forth. How deep is that? Okay.
1: Yeah, it, I mean... It, since 1972, this will be the fifth opportunity for these two nations to come together for some kind of a summit to talk about peace. The last one was in 2007, and as Mr. DeSimone mentioned, it was just a couple of months ago that they're at fisticuffs talking about potentially catastrophic fallout if the South goes in and tries to do something in the North. The other thing is, it has to do with trust. Who do you trust? Can you trust? Individuals who waffle so quickly, and the, many of the South Koreans actually are asking the same question. You know, they're they're optimistic, yet at the same time, they don't trust this guy from North Korea, Kim Jong Un, because of his actions in the past. D- you know,
2: go ahead. Uh, just uh, you know, tr- that's on the South Korean side, and you know, kind of looking at us, looking at uh, North Korea, and can we trust them, and that type of thing. But then, you know, there was, uh, of course, uh, New York Times or. Or Washington Post or something kind of points out. Okay, well, if we break on the Iran deal, how can they trust us? Mm. You know, how can they have trust
0: toward us? So. Does do you think that this microcosm of let's say distrust and cynicism that we see with South Korea and North Korea and any sort of détente between the two um, does that reflect? more broadly on the world? What, what do you think? I mean, is that, is that attitude more than just applying to South and North Korea?
1: Oh, absolutely. What was it? 1920, the League of Nations was formed. Mm-hmm. And then 20 or so years later, a little after World War II, you've got the United Nations that's formed. And most nations in the world are part of this incredible organization that's been developed to bring peace to the world. And mm-hmm. Where are we in terms of peace in the world today? Right. Thanks to
0: this wonderful organization that's been created. Why the cynicism? Do you, think, do you think most people, let's say the average person, man on the street, really has hope that we're going to have true world peace in our time? Hmm. Right? I mean, really, that, that comes down
2: to a very deep, I mean, that is a deep-rooted problem. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've been dealing with it in civilization for Uh, you know, thousands of years, and we have had thousands of years to try to get it right. And we have utterly failed at it for thousands of years.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, a few years ago I was able to take a tour of the United Nations building. If you guys have ever been there, and uh, mm-hmm. you know what struck me the most, I took a tour of the of of the whole facility. Um, the the threadbare seats in the General Assembly Hall. <laughs> they were so. Mm-hmm. Now I know that's a little. It, it can sound like a little thing, but it was. It seemed as if it was a symbol of the futility of of, mm-hmm. uh, of the organization. In terms of actually really bringing peace to the earth, mm-hmm. as we were walking, it was in the back of the General Assembly Hall, and um, I guess they were going to do eventually an overhaul. But the bill, actually, even the facility, is is in need of a lot of, of repairs. Mm-hmm. Sounds it's a lot like our our relations between nations. Frankly. Yeah, so yeah, more money, more money. Then well,
2: no, <laughs> yeah.
1: it, it's interesting though because. I would argue that a lot of the people involved in the United Nations mm-hmm. over the years really are well-meaning. Sure. Mm-hmm. There, there is a real hope, a desire mm-hmm. for peace to come. I think the, the statistic you showed at the very beginning where 14 of, percent of South Koreans didn't think it could happen and, um, and then after this meeting last Friday 67 percent think it can. To me, that speaks to the almost the hope beyond hope. Mm-hmm. People want it. They need it. They desire it so much, yet it's this elusive thing. Mm-hmm. People yeah. are trying for it yeah. the best they can. Mm-hmm. It, every human um, endeavor that we can come up with is trying to bring peace and, and seeking peace, mm-hmm. but it's it's futile, and it's shown a, a
2: track record of futility. Right. Yeah. There's a, a book, Why War? Um uh, it was some letters that Einstein wrote to Sigmund Freud. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the comments he made in, this, in, in one of these uh, uh, comments to Sigmund Freud was talking about, hey, now the, the ability or close to the ability to dis- be able to destroy civilizations. He says, this issue has come to mean a matter of life and death for civilization as we know it. Nevertheless, f- the, for all the zeal displayed for peace... Mm-hmm.
0: Every attempt at its solution has ended in a lamentable breakdown. Mm-hmm. It's the track record. Uh, I just wonder in uh, today's scenario, when we read the scripture that talks that uh, the proverb says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." Mm-hmm. Every time mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. type of thing comes up, where there is a hope for some for peace, mm-hmm. when it is dashed, what happens? We become more cynical, and I, mm-hmm. that I think that speaks to the cynicism of our, our world community mm-hmm. for yeah. true peace. I might mention by the way for our our viewers, uh, if you do have a, a question about the topic we're addressing today please feel free to go ahead and write in and uh, we'll try to address it as we go. It, it could be a, a, a a little disconcerting, maybe a discouraging subject to talk about, Talk about, but uh, for what it's worth, folks, we do have, we, there are answers. Mm-hmm. And what we're wrestling with today is, do those answers come from man? Do they come from the mind of man or, mm-hmm. or somewhere else? So uh, if you have any questions or thoughts to add to the list, please go ahead and, and jot something down, and our producers will pass it on to me. We'll try to address it as we, as we go through the show. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the cynicism that is, is is there even in uh, with a, always a hope holding out a hope, but still uh, there is that that, <clears throat> that cynicism. Um, uh, let me ask uh, ask this then as we go forward. See how our, our time is going here as we as we address this. Uh, we were going to address all of the areas in the world today that where hope is being dashed, Syria and <laughs> Iran and Iraq and. But I think that I think our audience probably gets the point that there is there's plenty to see that uh, can can be discouraging. So back to President Trump then. With with all that being said, um, what is it that has happened at this point in time uh, that has brought the Koreas together? What has President Trump done, or is it anything he's done, or what what makes mankind uh make these decisions to come to a, a negotiating table what what I, what what's happened here
2: i think that i think that's an intriguing question because a lot of times we'll see talk about having peace talks and then kind of moving toward the table here we've seen Really some again, we talked about these major threats that just a few months ago that were being made. you know mm-hmm. he's shooting missiles with nuclear nuclear capabilities i mean that's a that's a really big deal um, of course we've uh, we put sanctions on them uh, as far mm-hmm. as the u s has enforced some very serious, powerful sanctions that has uh, only hurt his situation and his people. Uh, I saw something that uh, they have spent $100 billion to develop their nuclear uh, weapons and so forth. And, of course, that's $100 billion they could have used mm-hmm. um, for their people for, you know, whatever different
0: better purposes. So uh, so is, is the, the threat of a force, is that what brings uh, peace? Is it, I think the second thing you mentioned, uh, economic pressure? And we use that term economic pressure. What we really mean is starving people to death, don't we? Sadly, for those who well, are dictators, yeah. we really mean starving people to death. Depends you on know? what he spends his money on. Well, yeah. there, there you go. Yeah. So is that is, is that a, a valid solution to war and strife, to, to starve people?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, some of our viewers may know, uh, may not know, that... Uh, the the South Korean president Moon Jae-in actually commented last week after this meeting, the shaking of hands across the demilitarized zone and and some of the dialogue that took place that she was attributing this all to Mr. Trump's actions Mm -hmm. and actually claiming that Mr. Trump should uh, receive a Nobel Prize, Peace Prize and there's been a big banter on the web now from these news organizations about this. Mm -hmm. Is he responsible? I don't think so. Why do we act the way we do as human beings? Uh, why do our national leaders act the way
0: they act as human beings? Isn't it
1: for us? Isn't it for our benefit? Mm. Isn't it for self? For number one, right.
0: So so what you're saying is there's more to it. There is, uh, for the, the dictator of North Korea, it's a matter of... Uh, uh, pride or his self, something where he seals, sees something good in it for him? Is that What's what you're in saying? it for
1: me? Th- okay. This is an individual, as as most of us are, frankly, down to our nature, we don't like to do anything if we don't get something out of it. Uh, he's he's sitting pretty as a leader of a country right now. You, you look at some of the data on his income and his exploits. Uh, the guy apparently has a $600 million a year income worth about $5 billion U.S. dollars. And I won't go into all the details, but he's he's okay for himself. Yeah. How does he have to maintain his regime? What does he have to do to make that happen? Um, and then there's this ego thing. What mm-hmm. can you do to rise higher on the world stage so that you can have some respect from the Which world? Which is really what
2: he's he's wanted. Yeah. That's what he's that's what he's really wanted to be respected <coughs> by the world uh, in a way that. They haven't been respected by the world in decades.
0: So maybe a part of it is his desire for for credibility and to keep himself in power and and uh, and, and those as tools as well. I say this because, <clears throat> okay. So we have to we're we're addressing what are the tools that seem to bring peace mm-hmm. in our world. We, we've we've talked about a few of them. These are the tools that seem to bring peace. But I would, I would contend that, that is, those tools have not worked over the course of history and they've shown mankind's weakness. What, what, what would you say? Would you agree? You know, they may work on a temporary basis,
2: um, but really it, it comes down to the individuals. It comes down to the heart of the individuals. For, you know, let's say uh, Kim Jong-un. Um, one article uh, talk that I had seen. It talked about, um, hey, if there's been a real change of heart in Kim Jong Un that would lead to real peace between the two Koreas and, and so forth, then we'll see that in how he treats his people. Mm-hmm. You know. So we're talking about it is a human nature thing. It is the 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 inside of the person. Um, I, there's a proverb that talks about, you know, if, if a man can't rule his own self, or a man that can rule his own self is better than a man that can take a city. So you know, it comes down to, here's a man who's ruling a nation, and, you know, if a man can't rule his own self, how can he possibly rule a nation well.
1: Yeah, wasn't it Douglas MacArthur who made the comment at the end of World War II that if if we're going to change anything in the world it has to be of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Something with the spirit has to change. You know, it's interesting the Bible People look at the Bible in different ways. Many people in the world talk about it as this book of fairy tales and and created by monks and all kinds of things. But it really gives us an interesting commentary on the spirit, Mm -hmm. on the nature of human beings. Mm -hmm. And God commented a long time ago in Proverbs 14 that there's a way that seems right to a man. And I think we know the end of it. The end thereof is death man has tried as you say for for thousands of years to do it his way but he's tried to do it his way mm-hmm. and what happens our nature gets in the way all the time
0: so let me let me ask this so so in other words if we ask the question why is there no peace and and some would claim like maybe even an audience. Some would claim, well, it's, you're not really addressing the real cause of, of war. It's 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 poverty, mm-hmm. it's lack of social justice, mm-hmm. it it is is not uh, having enough food. These these are the causes. And what you're saying is actually there's there are underlying causes that are more at the root. Of, of mankind's problem, then these these are more surface. Sure. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, mankind has tried to create governments to try and bring peace. And what do you see? Even Plato talked about a cycle of governments and that you start out from dictatorship and you move your web to democracy and then you have anarchy and it starts all over again. Um, the Prussian general and military analyst von Clausewitz, Karl von Clausewitz, made the comment that politics are the womb in which war develops, politics. This is, politics come from a human form of government and a human design of government. It, he was
2: making that observation. War comes from that. And to your question, okay, so, you know, why was Albert Einstein, I mentioned, why was he writing to Sigmund Freud? Because Al- Albert Einstein recognized this was, a na- this was a problem of human nature, mm-hmm. human nature. And how is it going to be fixed? Why was he writing Sigmund, Sigmund Freud? Because he felt that Sigmund Freud could help with that problem, the problem of human nature.
0: Now, now what, what you're saying, it goes against the grain in terms of a lot of politicians today because a lot of politicians, frankly, uh, perhaps a large segment of our society believes that the solution lies with with government. For example, if we talk, talk about the Arab Spring. If only some of the co- countries in North Africa would have democracy like us, then they would have peace. Mm. Well, that didn't work out very well, did it? So, so now we're we're talking about something beyond uh, some, let's say, uh, progressive form of government, democracy. We're saying that that's not the solution. Um, we're, you're talking about matters of the heart. Let, let's actually, before we go further with that, let me uh, invite our audience again. If you'd like to ask a question, uh, feel free to jump in there and uh, make a comment or question. We'll try to address it in our uh, in our discussion of the last the last 10 minutes. Let's come back to the human element, uh, because um, in terms of the human element, what we're getting to is we can look at problems like uh, the Korean Peninsula. We can look at problems like Syria and North Africa. And we're equating these problems, let's say, to to something that lies much deeper in the heart of man. So why don't you go on from that point? uh,
1: Well, I was just going to say, if we want to look at um, human governments, you know, in this country, we've had this democracy for a couple of hundred years now. In in theory, it should be blossoming. It should be getting better. It should be getting stronger. Sure. But let's look at the data. What is it telling us? We've got murder rates that are skyrocketing in this country right now. We've got all kinds of drug use rates that are exploding in this country. Uh, we've got racial tensions that are getting out of control in this country. We've got more and more politicians who are being called on the carpet, if you will, for their indiscretions. What's going on? And these are high-level politicians. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Something's not working for
0: man. So the democracy is not doing the trick to fix all our problems.
1: No, and that's this commentary of the Bible that we have that looks into human nature Mm -hmm. is telling us in Jeremiah that the heart of man is deceitful. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it?
2: That's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was one thing that was sitting in my mind. That's right. Uh, you know, James four also talks about why are there wars among you? Dre- addressing that very yeah. issue. Why are there wars among you? It's because you ask, because you're looking for your own desires, for your own things. What satisfies me? Number one, putting putting number one above others. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we do that as a nation and we feel like there's a need to do that as a nation to some level at least. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult uh, line to, to, to balance there, but it is at the core. It's how do we treat
0: others? So can we really truly bring world peace if we base that piece on, on greed, putting ourselves first, uh, where, does that break down at any point? Well, what does the Bible say? Everyone does, talking about the end
1: times, what's right in their own eyes. If we don't have a, a roadmap, a, a common yeah. core of values, a common cor- moral core, then we're going to all come to the table with, what, words But what are we relying on? And that's why God talks about in the scripture. He says in Leviticus, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, I will give you peace, Mm -hmm. which is really a powerful concept. But through what? Mm. It's through this this common law, this common Ten Commandments is what he's talking about, this common way of doing things that we can all get on the same page and use this as our foundation.
2: You know, there's got to be... uh, what you're saying uh one just another way to say that maybe is that, you know there's got to be uh, one common standard that the world uses to agree on, to look to um, and uh, and i 've got to again from what Einstein had said and I just find what he talked about very. Uh, substantial, very meaningful, uh, talking, he says, the quest of international security involves the unconditional surrender by every nation in a certain measure of its liberty of action to basically one world government. Mm-hmm. The only way he he thought for peace was there for there to be one common standard that
0: all agreed to and all surrendered their sovereignty. To. So, in other words, we're back to the problem, though, is because mankind has to agree, Sure. and, well, and mankind <laughs> right. is thinking of himself first. Right. Let, let me actually bring up a question that came from our audience. Um, and the question is, does, uh, does the Bible say that God will punish the nations that disobey his law? In other words, is, uh, is let's say, uh, is God in the, in the, in the business of punishing North Korea or South Korea or uh, United States or is is God will God punish nations that don't obey Him? How would you answer that uh, either one of you want to give it a, a shot?
1: I'd say first God's not a vindictive God. He's not looking to look down from Mount Olympus and just <laughs> chastise people. He's created this thing called His law that if we break there are natural consequences. It's sort of like the law of gravity. You break the law of gravity, whether or not you know about it you're going to find out that you've broken the law of gravity when you hit the floor. And so there's an inherent penalty that's built in for breaking the law of God. If you have killing all over the place and it's not wrong to kill, you're going to create anarchy in your society and people are going to hurt and suffer because of that. So that's that's one piece of it.
2: He talks about uh, blessings and cursings in uh, Leviticus uh, and Deuteronomy. He talks about blessings for obeying him, for keeping his laws. And, you know, I... I was talking with someone the other day um and the the thing came up about uh, you know about there not being a god and i mean this you know he was saying i don't believe that there is a god and uh, we, we talked about uh laws and so forth he says well there would if if there was a god he wouldn't allow for all the suffering i said well the god of the bible says don't kill the god of the bible says don't lie don't steal, don't commit adultery. Here are all the things that if we did, we would have happy lives. There wouldn't be mm-hmm. suffering. The reason they're suffering is because of these laws being disregarded and broken.
0: God is allowing mankind, at this point in time, God seems yes. to be allowing mankind to learn the lessons from sure. his actions, both on a personal level and a, a national level. Sure. Will, yeah. God at, you know, will, will God at some point step in?
1: Thankfully, yes. And Revelation makes that very clear in a number of places. In fact, we're also told that Christ is going to return with a sword in his hand because mankind's going to need to be... Uh, Their attention is going to need to be gotten, but this is not a vindictive God, again, who's just going to destroy humanity. We, We go a little bit further into the plan of God after his return. It actually takes us back to the end of the Old Testament in Zechariah, chapter 14, that gives us a vision into what God's kingdom on the earth will be like. And we see a God who actually is not going to let it rain on certain nations. Not to cause them to die, but to get their attention and say, "Listen, if you're not going to obey my commandments, you're not going to keep my holy days. I'm not going to give you rain for a while. I'm going to let you think about this a little bit further. Sort of like a loving
0: parent would intervene with a child." He's going to teach mankind to to actually live in
2: peace because He's, we don't know. That's yes. right. We don't know the way for He's peace. He's going to work directly with them in that way to help teach them the way of peace. Yeah. And one thing I find profound about you know, what you just mentioned, so he, he will not allow rain to come on is what he says in Zechariah if they don't uh, do what he says if, you know, to keep the commandments and so forth. And um, now he could, he's God, he could, he could take them out of power and put in somebody in power in these nations, Egypt and Assyria is what it talks about in Zechariah there. Um, he could take them out and put somebody in who would do what he says. But ultimately, it will come down to a change of heart on, on their part where the leaders and the nations will want to do what he says. Uh, Isaiah 2 talks about they'll end up coming up to Jerusalem to learn the laws of God, learn the ways of God.
0: So peace ultimately is, is a personal matter, isn't it? Would, would you say peace is something that is individual? Because let's say in our audience, we can, uh, those who are listening and watching, <laughs> Hey, we can say, "I want world peace," and yet the way we treat our neighbor doesn't reflect that. Well, then we're we're missing the point, aren't we? Sure. Uh, So we, I would say, we all we can personally uh, uh, further peace in our own community and our own families by what we say and do. And mankind, tell mankind, gets that. That heart, we're not going to. How can we possibly, among nations, have peace? Sure. There is a there is a comment that was made from one of our our uh, listeners uh, saying the, uh, the 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 statement, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Does that apply? Well, The
1: principle applies. That's taken from Isaiah. And the context of that is the leaders of the Israelite-descended nations, basically uh, Western Europe and the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and some other nations. It's referring to those nations specifically whose leaders don't bring peace and they assuage people slightly, it says, by saying there's peace when there actually is no peace. Uh, But the principle probably applies much broader to nations all around the world. And I, I see that too in what's going on in the Koreas. They're saying peace, it might last for a little while, but man's attempts again without that change of heart, without the desire to actually help people, love people, take care of people and get rid of this whole Get way of life, this attitude of what's in it for me. no what can I do as a leader for you, so that I can make your life better? Until that happens, this this concept of peace is going to remain elusive. It has to. I
0: want to wrap it up here. We just got about a minute left, but I do want to mention, for the sake of our audience, uh, that we do have an article in one of our publications that it talks about uh, peace and uh, where peace comes from. It comes from God, His laws, His ways. And uh, the the title of the article is, The Way to Peace, the Missing Dimension. So if you get a chance to look that up on our website, I think there's going to be a link that's going to be put up. Uh, Click on it and give it a a read, because it really talks about this topic we're addressing today in a a systematic way. I think you'd enjoy it if you enjoy uh, this topic, and if you want world peace. So if you want world peace, (laughs) read that article, okay? (laughs) If you if you if you have no interest in world peace, then fine. Then don't read the article. (laughs) Wow, that is that is that fair? Is that fair to say? Okay, (laughs) we've got just a few a few seconds. So, final comments. Peace is this a Korean situation? Um, Will whatever happens today, tomorrow, this next week, um, will it be really uh, ushering in lasting peace? Um, is there hope for mankind? Big questions, little, give each of you a shot there. Right.
2: You know, whether or not there's uh, peace from this, whether or not this works out, uh, the real answer ultimately will be the return of Jesus Christ, who will establish a real, true government that will bring peace.
1: Yeah, ult- ultimately, it's got to come down to, as uh MacArthur said, it's got to come down to, it's got to be of the spirit. There's got to be a change of heart. There's got to be a change of nature in humanity. And the way of peace is going to be paved with the Ten Commandments. You can't get around that. When you look at those commandments and you imagine what the world will be like if if the world just kept one of those commandments, it doesn't take someone who's brilliant uh, or some magnanimous theologian to realize that, wait a second, these principles really are foundational to any lasting.
0: They show love towards fellow man, love towards God, and uh, that's what will create a a world that truly is at peace. Well, thank you, gentlemen. appreciate you being with us here today. Thank and thank you to our audience for, for being with us. Uh, if you'd like to go ahead and continue to follow our discussions, just, go, just make sure that you tune in to our, our channel here. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, and have a good, good afternoon.